0: Welcome back to yet another episode of Legally Unfiltered. My name is Richard Sprinkle, attorney at law. I'm here with Franz Borchardt, another attorney at law. And today we've got special guests, two more attorneys. We've got Mike Mitchell, the distant public defender for East Baton Rouge Parish. And we've also got his uh, deputy public defender, Lindsay Bluen. And they are both here in a continuation of the last episode of Legally Unfiltered. Part Part two. Because we're givers, Franz, we're givers. And we, Mike and Lindsay are nice enough to uh, hang around for another episode. And there's a whole lot more we wanted to talk about with these guys. There's a lot going on over the public defender's office these days. I know, Mike, you've been in the paper. I've seen you standing around outside the courthouse after, you know, making quite a few appearances in there. What's going on over there? What's this litigation all about?
1: Well, um, Richard, I think what you're talking about is, is the fact that we, uh, the public defender's office, in one of the courts in the 19th Judicial District has filed motions to withdraw from a number of cases as well as asking not to be appointed to new cases until we can in fact get our caseloads down to a manageable size.
0: Okay, and now just for the general public who for probably very fortunate reasons don't have to see what goes on in, in court every day. How, does, how do you guys get appointed when somebody comes into court? How does that happen? Well, the
1: way we get appointed is that uh, when a person is arrested, uh, he is then brought to jail, and generally the next morning, he has to go before either a commissioner or a judge, and the judge has to determine whether or not that person can afford an attorney. Everybody in this country is entitled to representation in court in our criminal justice system uh and if the person can't afford to hire his own attorney and ask for the public defender then we are appointed to represent them
0: okay
2: so i'm going to ask a follow-up question about that because i've i've wondered this often is for every 10 individuals that you get appointed to would you say the screening process by the court is effective do you feel like do you feel like you're getting appointed to represent truly indigent people or do you do you feel like sometimes you get appointed to represent someone that thinks they can't h- hire an attorney, but probably could? And then, what do you do about that when you do have that guy or gal, that that citizen that probably could hire an attorney, but has been appointed to your office?
1: Well, what I can tell you that that what we found is that because we do the screening after the court, does, so internally, preliminary, internally, yeah, okay. and we found that practically every person that comes into our system. Uh, and we're rep- we've been appointed to represent cannot afford to hire an attorney. Okay. Uh, so I, I think it's a myth if anybody believes that the courts are simply not uh, screening properly and that there are uh, a lot of people in the system that are just using the public defender's office. That's a
2: common thing to, uh, I hear for- is I, I hear that there, there's this belief, this myth, that people are gaming the system by saying, I can't afford an attorney. You need to give me one. And, you know, I was there. You know, I was there when, when I was looking at someone who really couldn't afford a 7500 to $15,000 attorney or representation for something that, you know, I think they were paying your office $75 for, you know, um, which leads me to my next question. There is a funding crisis going on right now, right? And it, it's not just hitting y'all's office. It's, it's, it's across the state of Louisiana. And I had the fortune or misfortune of serving on the public defender board, the state public defender board for about a year, um, several years back. And it gave me kind of a hard education about money and how public defender's offices get money, where that money comes from, and, and why you don't always have as much as you need. So for the folks listening out there, where does the East Baton Rouge Parish public defender's office get its funding from?
3: So we get our funding from a couple of different sources, uh, none of which are individually sufficient to sustain our entire budget. Okay. We receive first funding from our state public defender and that is money that is allocated by the state legislature to the public defense system statewide. So that money has to go to every single public defender's office in the state of Louisiana. So we have to share a pot that is not big enough to support us. So
2: how is that pot divided, Lindsay?
3: So there's a formula that the Public Defender Board uses and relies on to look at expenditures, caseloads, overhead. It's a lot of different variables to decide how to try to fairly... Um, distribute that money but the pie's not big enough for everybody to get a slice that sustains their office.
2: That was always the hard thing Mm -hmm. when I was on the public defender board was if I give Mike's office a big piece of pie that means inevitably another office isn't getting the pie and it's
3: you're actively taking money you're robbing Peter to pay Paul.
2: Right and it's just as important to that office to give good representation and be well funded as it is to the next office so um, all right, so they use a complicated formula that, that distributes the money, mm-hmm. and that's one of the sources of your, of your revenue.
3: Certainly, and for, um, just kind of to make it easy, about 50% of our budget is supported by the money we receive from the state. Okay. So the rest of our budget has to be made up with traffic tickets and court costs as well, and fines and fees.
2: So you get money from traffic tickets and court costs. Right so
3: it's what we call a user pay system okay so uh in in a nutshell our office even though we provide representation to the people of baton rouge does not receive any funding from the east baton rouge parish budget okay we receive money um anytime someone pays a traffic ticket we get a percentage of that and we're not the only agency that does uh the the, if you get a speeding ticket and you come down to the Baton Rouge City Court and you pay that speeding ticket, some of that money comes to our office, some of that money goes to the courthouse, some of that goes to the district attorney's office. And so we make a lot of money off of the people who we are representing, but the only time someone pays a fine or a fee is if they're convicted. Right. Which leads to a problem in and of itself. If your community knows that the only way your public defender's office gets paid is if there's a conviction, right. uh, it's kind of a public trust breach.
2: So, I had mentioned I think in an earlier episode in part 1 about the $75 public defender fee and I remember the 40 45 Is it 45? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The f- even less money. So, how much of the, of your budget is is based on the mandatory fee that everybody who's appointed um, or you are appointed to represent has to pay the $45 how much of your budget is the $45 and then I want to circle back to traffic tickets
3: I yeah it would be hard for me to give you an exact percentage uh, just off the top of my head for how much comes from the $45 fee because there's also a $40 appointment fee so any person who gets appointed a public defender in East Baton Rouge Parish whether you are in jail or out of jail By law, gets assessed a $40 fee, Okay. and so our office has set up a program with the Department of Revenue where people can come in and pay that money on the front end, or if they are unable to pay that $40 during their case because they were in jail, then um, should they get out one day and work that year, then the Department of Revenue can collect that fee from their income tax return check. The public defender's office does not want to keep someone in jail or keep their case open simply because they can't afford to pay $40.
2: So That fee is
3: also waivable if we find that someone is simply unable to pay.
2: So one of the most difficult positions I was ever in as a public defender, God bless Judge Chip Moore, he would charge people, because the court can also, and I wanted the audience to know, the court can also impose a bigger fee than the $45 yeah, or the
1: $40. I've witnessed a, that. It's yeah. called a partial indigency fee.
2: Right. So, a judge might say, I'm going to charge you $500 for your representation, or $200, or whatever number. The difficult position to be in is when your client hasn't paid that money and the judge wants you to basically snitch on your client for not having paid the money and essentially create a conflict of interest between you and your client because by you telling the court that they haven't paid that money, it's going to put your client in an adverse position. I hated being in that position. And I oftentimes, I would tell the judge, I said, look, I don't have the authority to waive this, or at least I I was I said I didn't have the authority to waive it but in the same breath i don't want my client to go to jail as a result of not paying it i do want to circle back to traffic tickets
3: well i was going to say that's why that's why the program with the department of revenue is so important because there are two things not only our louisiana legislature has actually defined what indigency means and that's just a fancy way of saying poor and in need of a need of a public defender
2: so i'll bite what is the definition of of indigency so
3: it's actually a list of things um so when the judge is when the judge is asking somebody whether or not they uh are on food stamps or what their monthly income is and how many children they have it's because there's a list of things that make you indigent in louisiana and we use what the legislature has said as a guide so if you are 200 times below the the federal poverty standard guideline then you are considered to be fully indigent under the law our louisiana legislature has defined it and so the judge is not supposed to assess a fee on on someone who is fully indigent but in the event that we have somebody who is not fully indigent under the law then the judge may assess a reasonable fee. And that's where the Department of Revenue program is so important because there's a myth running around this city that the Public Defender's Office doesn't need more money. They just need to do a better job of collecting what's owed to them. And that's just simply wrong.
0: Right. But you guys aren't a collection agency in the first place. We're not
3: a collection agency in the first place. And with this program with the Department of Revenue, when a fee is assessed, then it goes to the Department of Revenue and so if someone hasn't paid that fee by the time their case is over, then it can simply be garnished out of the income tax return check. Okay. And so it means that lawyers aren't also tax collectors. It leaves that responsibility with the people who are experts, but also those legal definitions of indigency are very helpful that our legislatures provided.
0: I don't think you could function where on the one hand you're supposed to be defending someone and on the second hand you're beating them up for money i just i don't see how you guys could function in that capacity that's that would be ridiculous
2: so i want to talk about the traffic tickets so when i was on the state public defender board there was a decline in the revenue you guys were getting from traffic tickets that's correct um i would assume that that decline is still happening or has stabilized and how do you feel about getting money it, for your office from traffic tickets it,
1: it seems that the, that the the decline may have stabilized a little bit this year uh but the problem is from about 2015 to this year uh the decline has been steady it has right. been steady to the to the tune of about 1.7 million dollars a year since then uh and that's how much we've been down uh, as a result of Traffic tickets, for whatever reason, for what re- reason we're still not quite clear, have not been being written in uh, in East Baton Rouge Parish, well, I have uh, an idea. especially especially in the in the city of Baton Rouge, um, and and therefore uh, collections in court cost as a result of that has have been weighed down. Not only for us, but for every other agency in in the system that that relies somewhat on. On those court costs
2: so riddle be this do you get a portion of the pre-trial diversion money
1: uh, we do not we do not
2: so pre-trial diversion for those who don't know the uninitiated is a diversion program offered by prosecuting entities whether it's the city or the 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 da's office to where if you pay some money you jump through some hoops you do some community service it's a sliding scale of what you need to do at the end of the program all your charges are dismissed and these are prevalent Uh, dispositions for first-time offenders, um, whether it be DWI, drugs, non-crimes of violence, or non-violent crimes. And so that money that was probably otherwise going into the system through court costs is diverted, not to use the same word, diverted, into the DA's office coffers, which, okay, that's their discretion, they can do that, but how different would your life be if the legislature mandated that some of the diversion money had to go to you and well, had to go to the courts. We, well,
3: we don't know. That's the issue is we, we don't know how much money is being diverted through pretrial diversion, but I think that that hangs a lantern on a larger issue. This isn't a sustainable way to fund anything. No,
0: it's not. And I, I will tell you, I can share with you how this diversion programs working in, in numerous Louisiana jurisdictions. As of right now, if you get a speeding ticket and you meet certain qualifications, you will get a postcard in the mail that says, Hey, just go online, pay some money, sign up for this class. Takes you about 45 minutes to knock that class out. We're just gonna go ahead and drop your ticket. Now, I have a sneaking suspicion, I haven't investigated, but I have a sneaking suspicion that money gets split two ways, the DA's office and the company that does the class. I have a funny feeling very it's, little of it and comes up.
2: Sometimes to you guys. and sometimes they'll negotiate with the sheriff's office, sure. And sometimes they'll negotiate with a court because the courts are feeling the sting too the the financial sting of not getting as much traffic revenue.
0: Um, and, and there's another theory of why tickets aren't being written as often, and that is that traffic stops are one of the most dangerous things for a law enforcement officer to engage in. So, and if if I'm an officer and I'm just cruising down 110, unless somebody blows my doors off, weaving in and out of traffic, I'm probably not going to risk pulling that person over. If, unless there's a real danger to unless public safety this,
3: unless you observe something that says safety's at risk right and because the problem is not the problem with public defense funding is not going to be fixed by telling police to get out there and write more tickets no. or telling the DA to start sharing money from their diversion program because those are numbers you just can't predict and and anyone who's trying to project for how much money their office needs from year to year needs stable funding that you know you can bet on. The only way that you're going to fix the public defense funding problem, at least in this parish and maybe statewide, is if the parishes help pay for their public defenders. Well, I agree with that.
2: I agree with that. I I was going to say, I bet the DA's office could give you Data on how much they're statistically making off their pretrial diversion program, sure, and which I, is apparently not public information. But,
3: but, but I don't know how much they take in in diversion costs. I do know that, that the district attorney's office gets over or received over seven million dollars from the parish last year, right. and so that's. And the, look, the Public Defender's Office and the District Attorney's Office both work tremendously hard in this parish. This right. is not me saying that the District Attorney needs less money. I'm in court every day. I know how hard those prosecutors are working. This is simply me saying that the Public Defender's Office also needs to be supported in the parish budget, too, because we're also in court every day working very hard as well. Parity.
0: So, it's so you, not that much That. So
2: you just said something. I want to make sure we get into this episode because I know we don't have a ton of time left, but we got a little bit. Your public defenders in East Baton Rouge are full-time. Yes. They they work every day. They're in court for the most part every day, um, with the exception of them try, preparing for a trial or something of that nature. Um, that's not the case everywhere, right? Some places, they're part-time public defenders. Some places, they're quote-unquote contract attorneys. But your attorneys are employees, right?
1: That's correct. Uh, in, in this state, there's a diverse community uh, system of right. public defense that's that's provided you know some of the rural areas only have court a few times a year uh, a month um, so they don't have to be in court every day our courts uh, our city Baton Rouge City Court as well as our district court and as well as our juvenile court it has court daily uh, and our lawyers have to be in court when court is in session that's mostly all day uh, and which doesn't leave a lot of time uh, in the afternoon or, or the evenings to do the other work that needs to be done uh, right? For, in, on behalf of our clients.
2: So overworked, underfunded is not an <laughs> exaggeration by any means. We're, we, we've got a little bit of time left and I want to talk about the doomsday scenario. I want to talk about what happens, Lindsay, what happens, Mike, when we hit, you know, we hit, the threshold of we don't have enough money to keep going as a public defender's office. What happens at that point when you run out of money? How will we feel it? How will we notice it? Whether it's from the perspective of John Q. taxpayer or from me as a private attorney who does criminal defense work, what happens when you hit you know critical mass?
1: Uh, Franz, we've been, we've been close to that before. I, I'm aware. Uh, and, and what has happened uh, on a smaller scale uh, is that. Uh, The public defender's office stops taking cases. Uh, We have to tell the court that we can't take any more cases. And what the judges have done in the past is first call out to private counsel to volunteer to come in and and take cases. And when you don't volunteer, then they may appoint you to come in and and take the case. Uh, If they can't find enough lawyers to represent the, the people who don't, who the public defender's office is refusing, uh, to accept, then what the courts have to decide then is whether or not, uh, because of our constitutional speedy rights uh, rights that we have, you can't hold people in jail forever simply because they don't have lawyers. So the courts have to decide whether or not there is a way to order the state uh, or the local government to pay for more lawyers, which generally there is not. Uh, the, the power that the court has is to stop the prosecution and to release people from jail if they can't afford to, to uh to bond out until such time as they are able as the court is able to provide counsel for them and what
2: scares a lot of attorneys is court-appointed attorneys may not necessarily mean franz Borcard, who does criminal defense now ideally you would want to find somebody that does that area of law but a court could appoint a civil attorney you could end up with a guy who
0: does bankruptcy law
2: right i mean right And little known fact, Richard, not only that, but if you mandate that I represent somebody, if I'm not just doing it out of the kindness of my heart pro bono, which, you know, I I do that occasionally. If you mandate me, I can file a motion with the court to where I'm entitled to receive compensation for my Mm -hmm. overhead. And if they don't have enough money to pay you guys and they don't have enough money to pay my quote unquote overhead, that hits the brakes on everything. Um, Now, Most attorneys that get a court appointment for a burglary or or a possession of cocaine don't file that that motion for overhead because it it just it's something they don't do. But, you know, I get asked regularly, well, why aren't private attorneys doing more to help the public defender system out? And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You know, I I pose the question, me taking one case here, one case there. And I typically, Mike, as you know, I'll take a homicide case. I'd rather I'd rather get my, my peas and carrots swallowed in one nasty bite and do one big case for my pro bono work than a thousand. Me taking one case, whether it's a burglary, a cocaine, possession of cocaine or a robbery or whatever, isn't going to fix the system. That And and by the way, you don't want it to be fixed that way. You want it to be to where attorneys that are being compensated to, to represent people are the ones representing them. Not that the pro bono attorney wouldn't do a good job, it's just that won't fix the system. We don't have enough criminal defense attorneys for that. So
1: Historically, um, in, in, in during my tenure, uh, I, I will say that the private bar has been really good about stepping oh, yeah. up yeah. And, and assisting us uh, with that. But the problem is we're not talking about uh, a few cases, we're talking about hundreds right. if not thousands of cases. Uh,
0: It's a tough problem. I don't think we've solved it today.
1: So we're running out of time. Is there anything in
2: in the last 30 minutes, or 30 seconds, excuse me, is there anything that you guys wanna make sure that the folks out there know about what you're doing um, that's important?
3: I, I think I would just say that I'd like everyone in this parish to know that if they are arrested and taken to jail and they come in front of a judge and they are not sure whether or not they are going to be able to get a lawyer at that point, it is very important at that first appearance to say, that you need, if you need a lawyer, say you need a lawyer. The office of the public defender is there and will take your case.
2: Well, we definitely appreciate everything you guys are doing. We 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 know y'all are in the trenches and fighting hard. Uh, keep it up. Uh, that is about it for this episode. We've been talking to Mike Mitchell and Lindsey Bluen. This is Attorney Franz Borcard and Attorney Richard Sprinkle talking part two of the public defender episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. The views and opinions expressed in Legally Unfiltered do not constitute legal advice. If you would like legal advice on the topics that we've discussed, send us money. That's right. Go ahead and retain us. Do not, kids, try this at home.